Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. I'm John Wharton here with one of our absolute favorites, Tom Crawford, our guy in East Lansing. Tom, it's uh, good to have you back. Uh, Happy 2022 to you, and uh, we'll see what's going on in the world of both Michigan football and basketball today. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, there's never any lack of developments, obviously. No, there's not. And, you know, when you lose a D-line coach, uh, Sean Noah lose, uh, has, has the USC today, uh, piles on to the debacle last night in basketball. And I texted you about what I had heard about uh, with the five players uh, not playing. And I knew well, we knew where that was headed. Uh, and then, obviously, um, what happened uh, between the lines at the Orange Bowl. But let me say this um, uh, about my quick trip to Miami and and Miami Gardens and back in the Orange Bowl and and the incredible and I mean incredible um, uh, presence of Michigan fans in the Orange Lot there throughout the entire stadium. Um, I was at a donors party uh, before the game. Uh, man, the passion for Michigan football is off the friggin' scale. I will say that. So that's my biggest takeaway from Miami. And uh, 2022 is going to be even better. And I think Michigan football is indeed back. Well, okay, let's start with football. I was thinking about starting with basketball, but you've got to be <laughs> fired up right now. I, I, I know that you you had a different way. You, you drove down there with some yes. friends, and uh, that had to be in itself quite the, uh, quite the excursion. Well, we tried to do a flashback to spring break. We drove down the A1A in Fort Lauderdale. You know, for the new the millennials, they won't relate to this as, as a college retreat, but – I uh, went down memory lane, uh, ran into some people down there, had a had a uh, you know great tailgate party, and then that uh, pre-party. Uh, it's who you hang around with that uh, gives you opportunities. Oh, uh, let me give you that little side note. Um, but anyway, um, no, it was good. I mean, I you know we, we had you know the cost, and then obviously the the the, the cancellation of flights. We we rented a car and drove down and. And uh, we went down 95 on one way and the 75 in the back did a loop and uh, different background and uh, no, no problems at all. And uh, we, we still got it. We still got that spring break uh, fashion. And, uh, you know, we didn't drive through. We stayed overnight, but it was a lot of fun. And, and uh, like I said, I have absolutely no regrets uh, going to this. I was not going to hesitate, you know, I wasn't hesitating going to the CFP opportunity for Michigan. We've been waiting so long, John, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. I'll even go to another bowl game in a heartbeat. I just, as a fan, it's just so much fun. So much fun. 
so I'm very glad you weren't on 95 yesterday. No. Uh, I'll I'll say that right now. Uh, But when you talk about making that trip, how how difficult was it to invest that amount of time and emotional energy and everything else? And then you're sitting there and uh, it gets out of hand so quickly, it seemed like. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good question because I'm looking around and and I would say it's sixty to sixty five percent from my perspective. I and mean, I was kind of right in the in the heart of the Michigan section of um, Michigan fans over Georgia fans. It's like Georgia fans are they waiting for the you know the championship game in Indianapolis, saving their money. Um, but um, I you know we talked about this um, a couple times on this podcast, my greatest fear, and I said this on a couple of radio shows, my greatest fear was when Georgia had the ball moving on Michigan's defense early on and to see what 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 the, the whole optics of it was going to be. And right out of the shoot, they started moving the ball. They had a nine-yard run on the first play. And all of a sudden, the short passing game uh, went out there, came, you know, um, that came into play. The swing passes, the bubbles, and then hitting Bowers, the big, the big tight end who is, uh, you know, Rob Gronkowski times 10, somewhere down the line. He's going to be a Hall of Famer if he stays healthy. Uh, Brock Bowers. I, I I was just like, wow. It was like, so this is how it's going to be. My greatest fear. And then I've, and then offensively, my other fear was is um, the lack of uh, flicker foot ability, I will call it, of Cade McNamara was going to come into play, and that certainly did. I, I, I thought he threw some nice balls, but the J.J. McCarthy equation that I've been pushing for all along is uh, really was needed earlier than the entire fourth quarter. I mean, that, that, that switch should have been made at halftime to have give Michigan any kind of fighting chance. Uh, anyway, we'll see what happens next year on that thing. But I, um, those are the two things that stood out. So, yeah, it was acceptance. I mean, at 14 nothing, I think all of us knew that this, this was not going to end up good. Right. The quarterback question has been one major argument after that game. The second has been uh, basically its style. They should have coached that game differently. They should have approached it differently. They need a higher level of of, uh, deep passing game, uh, all all of that, versus, look, you lost to the better team. I, I tend to fall... On the latter, I think styles can change and you can play various styles. And Michigan did this year, heavy run early, and and then they opened it up and had a ton of explosive plays. But I just think that was an overwhelmingly talented Georgia team, more so than Michigan on both lines. And they successfully negated the impact of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo because they were consistently in second and short or uh, third and short, that those sorts of situations. I mean, to me, it, it came down to talent. No, I agree totally with you. And um, I, you know, I've, I've seen in person now Michigan lose to two great defensive lines, what, and one with both in Miami, the old Orange Bowl in 76 when Michigan lost to the Selman brothers. I mean, it was just like glaring. I mean, those guys are like cartoon-like guys. You know, eating up on Michigan's offensive line, and the same thing happened in in this game. Um, it was, you know, just so much speed. Let's go. I mean, I I know people don't like to do this, get caught up. Oh, you got more talent, blah blah. But blatantly, come on, think about this, JB. When you think of seventeen five stars, Georgia has Michigan, 
two. They have 49 four stars. Michigan has 39. Okay. That's going to come into play. I'm sorry. Five stars are five stars. And, and at, at some, at, at, at these skill positions, and then they get their, their wide receiver back uh, who, you know, obviously said, you know, hello to Dax Hill. We saw that clip. Um, I, I, it's just, it, it was glaring the, the disparity and athleticism in the trenches, uh, especially in that D-line. I thought that was – and the other thing, I'm going to go back to the first part you're talking about, what Michigan could have done maybe strategically, is I, I thought they would attack the secondary. I mean, they, that's the only fighting chance they had. And, and I'm not saying that Georgia's secondary is, like, as bad as Michigan State's. I'm not even going to begin to get ticket to that level. However, that was the only that was the only shot Michigan had was was to somehow get some even if you have to roll out the quarterback and JJ McCarthy to to get some kind of aerial game going, some kind of rhythm going because it was not going to happen between the tackles uh, as far as the running game with that D line that Georgia has. Yeah, and I the only thing I would say to that is you need time to throw. They didn't have much time to throw. But you roll them and, out, then you roll them out. I, this is what I, you know. This I is what Michigan State that. did with Dan Enos back in the. I go back historically when they had no offensive line. They ran Dan Enos out. That's how they beat Michigan in 1990. When you don't have a guy, you don't have protection here. You roll them out, and that's where JJ could have done that. Well, and what I would say to JJ is, when you're rolling out uh, next year, get the heck down on the turf faster because. I was, I was, uh, he, he absorbed a couple of shots and I know he did. Uh, that in, in typical fashion, if you're trying to do that for a whole game, you're not going to last the game. So I think he'll learn from that. Um, but, but style of play is we can have that debate all day long. I contend that Michigan style of play was plenty good enough to win a Big Ten championship yes. to take down Ohio State to do what they needed to do. And I think more than style of play to take that next jump to beat the best two teams in the country right now, which um, obviously Georgia and Alabama, I think NIL is a bigger factor than uh, than style of play. Oh, I, really I, 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 I agree totally with you. I'm glad you brought that up because I know, you know, the hardball rum, we go through this every year song and dance about Harbaugh leaving for the NFL. But if indeed it is a situation where Jim Harbaugh is going to going to try to negotiate for the betterment of his program in turning in, in terms of compensation of assistant coaches and the NIL pot if you will, a la Texas that was flipping recruits on NIL alone without the kids even being on campus, let alone A&M, let alone Ohio State. That's what it's going to take. I mean, I, I'm sorry. They're going to need more talent. I mean, you are, you nailed it. This is good enough to win a Big Ten. And also, Cade McNamara is a quarterback good enough to win a Big Ten. He's not good enough to win a national championship with his skill set, in my opinion. All right. Well, we, that'll, we'll save that discussion for another day. I, I, <laughs> Spring you know, ball. <laughs> we, we may disagree on that because I saw Brian Greasy, uh, you know, get it done. Uh, and Cade reminded me a lot of him. But you mentioned Harbaugh. I want to I want to shift to uh, to Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, we're hearing uh, that uh, he has some NFL interest. That's good on the one hand because I guarantee you, last winter he didn't have NFL interest. No. Uh, but but the resurrection of Michigan football has renewed that, and you're going to have guys coming after him. 
Do you think that uh, after one successful season, after a breakthrough, that the NFL could uh, could be enough to interest him? I would be surprised, but then again, I've been surprised before. I would be surprised, uh, and I, and I think he, you know, I think he's he feels good about what this team has accomplished and this program's had. I think he wants more. And, and I, you know, I think it's been clear that, you know, when you start connecting dots on comments, like I do this job for free, I actually believe him when he says that. And how much money do you really need? And I know the NFL would have had interest in Jim Harbaugh last year. I mean, that's just reality. Hey, Jim Harbaugh's got a job for the rest of his life. How long in the NFL? That's, that's given. But I still think he, I still think he wants to, to figure out the final pieces of this puzzle to get it all done right and, and to get to the CFP and to potentially get to the title game and potentially win a national championship. And I think this NIL thing truly is that element. I really, really do. And, and I think what's happened, especially when you're dealing with the transfer portals and things like that, plucking guys, and then what the early signing period, those NILs that I mentioned about, that are going, that are dancing all over the place. Like there's no credence to, for for Texas to land these cats. And I know what A and M can do. I, I listen. I covered the Southwest Conference with A and M and Texas, and and I know how much money is down there. Michigan's got money. Michigan has a lucrative alumni base. Trust me, they're as high end as you can get, and uh, I, it's there. It's all there. And I hope that's what I'm hoping. That's what's involved with this, what will be involved with this when when Ward Manuel restructures Jim Harbaugh's contract, that it's for the betterment of the program, not the betterment of Jim Harbaugh. So uh, I would agree, and I think uh, that would be a key element even for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, more than uh, just personal enrichment, he wants to know that he can compete and succeed, and the greatest way that Michigan can compete with the Georgias and Alabamas and even Ohio States on a regular basis uh, of this world is to get on more level playing ground when it comes to player procurement, and that's all about NIL. Uh, you mentioned uh, Sean Nua on his way to uh, to USC. We've seen those reports. How important is it to if you know you to to keep most of this staff in place after? After uh, after such a good year, well, I know I, I know for a fact that Jim Harbaugh uh, doesn't uh, resist uh, turnover. In fact, quite honestly, he embraces it. And but I think you have to have turnover that that, that this that's at a uh, you know a, a, a has a cadence to it where they're at least going to stay a couple two or three years before they they bloke out. When I'm you know having a new DC every year, for example, and I'm not using that as an example with Michigan, but you have to. You have to um, get a little more stability, in my opinion. Um, but with Sean, I mean, I mean, the guy's a West Coast guy. This Lincoln Riley is is. I, I tell you what, USC. You talk about a brand that I mean that that thing's going to take off like a rocket ship. You watch, you watch what happens at USC because that is is that that's 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 as explosive in terms of getting from L's to W is as much as anybody. And so that did not surprise me. Uh, Sharon Moore, I hope he stays. I'm telling you what. Now that one, that one would get my attention. That would get, and that would start to like one of those. I don't want this going on thing. Yeah. Um, well, and so you know, in my cart, obviously, and and ever, I hope that the, if as long as everything else stays stable on that staff, 
I think Michigan is just fine. Well, and I, I, I think uh, along with the guys that you mentioned, uh, Steve Klinkscale and yes. uh, Ron Bellamy, and in particular, Mike McDonald, uh, you would love to see him stay and really get things established. He made some adjustments this year. He got used to uh, calling the shots in the college games. Uh, I, I think that would, I mean, and there, there's some head coach material down the line for some of these guys. Uh, you would like to see them get a little more steeped in Michigan and this program so that when Jim Harbaugh does move on, hang it up, whatever, uh, you could be reasonably comfortable in perhaps plucking somebody from your own staff. And that would be allowable if you consistently had the sorts of years that you had this year. Absolutely. Uh, another good point. You know, and you know, a year ago, I think all of us were like on the Harbaugh thing, like, okay, Hey, listen, if the dude wants to go, let him go. Okay. But now I want him to stay. Cause I think he has improved himself incredibly well. He's, he's, he's done self-improvement. He's done self-scouting as a coach. He's changed his ways and he's got a younger staff. So I would be disappointed if he leaves. I hope he stays and I hope, and, 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 and I hope Mike Hart, I'm glad you brought Mike Hart up, up uh, in, 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 in those name drops there because I think down the road he could be Jim Harbaugh's re- replacement, I don't know, five, six years or whatever. I don't know how long Harbaugh wants to coach, but I'd like to see Mike Hart in there as a head coach. I know he's a position coach. I know he's a running backs coach, and he doesn't have coordinator. I don't necessarily think that that is a requirement because he's so involved in the program. He's hung, he did a great job at Indiana with Tom Allen. And I, I, I just think that that's, that's the target for me. But um, I, I hope, but bottom line, I hope Harbaugh stays and I'll be really disappointed if he takes off. Yeah. Well, we'll keep a very close eye on that. We should know sooner rather than later, I would think, because recruiting uh, is, and keeping a class, uh, finishing it off, I would say, before February is, is very important. They could make some additions, but uh, Ward Manuel is going to want to get that cleared away very quickly. I would think Jim Harbaugh would as well. So we'll see what happens there. Hard shift to basketball here. Uh, very, oh, no. Do, do we have to? <laughs> well, we, we do. Uh, tough, tough road game against Rutgers last night. And uh, it Michigan just dug a hole and couldn't climb out. Uh, you – I. You know, credit to you. You uh, tumbled early onto the fact that they were going to be without all of their roster. And uh, in this game, uh, I I don't know how much of a difference that that made because uh, you had talent on the floor that uh, could have gotten this done. But we continually see uh, the defensive breakdowns. Last night they threw in a lot of missed layups. I mean that was uh, that was a weird uh, development. It's one thing when you're not hitting threes, but uh, when you when you're missing point blank, that's a problem. You know, I go back to okay, who are the missing parts from last year that we missed the most? Is what I always ask. I get in conversations with people, and Franz Wagner, as well as he's done in the NBA, that's obviously a name that sticks out. I go with Isaiah Livers. Now I know Isaiah was was injured a lot. But I'm telling you what, in that transition D, whether uh, whether it had to do with the fast break, the secondary break, or even just a loose kind of setup uh, where, where uh, the opposition was setting up, Michigan has impossibility of finding out 
who's who's open. I mean, they're trying to track down who the ball is. We saw this in in, in the uh, Central Florida game, which I watched down in in Miami. Um, they can't figure out who's got the ball. It is a Chinese fire drill, and I am really frustrated with with that situation because that's where Livers was so good as being the orchestra leader of making sure everybody was in where they're checking who they're supposed to check. And Ron Harper Jr., you're making him look like Ron Michael Jordan at times. I mean, and they were all those threes were going in, and this is going to be an absolute nightmare if this doesn't change dramatically. Out of the Adrian Nunez, that clip of him standing at the free throw line, you know, like just hanging out, and all of a sudden not boxing out. I mean, he, this was Adrian Nunez's opportunity. My God, you got quality minutes, and he, and he the clips were just hair pulling. The optics last night in this game, John, I can't, I, you know, I don't need me uh, nervous, you know, or negative Nelly here or whatever, or negative Nick or whatever you want to call it. That was a bad basketball team last night. And they got to right this ship real quick or they're you know, going to win six or eight games in a big 10 at most. Right. You know, the optic that is most telling for me is watch closely the uh, the leaders on this team, the obvious uh, identified leaders on this team, Eli Brooks and Hunter Dickinson, and you see uh, a, a definite level of frustration in uh, their reactions to some situations. Not that they're you know throwing teammates under the bus in terms of how they're carrying themselves, but you can see it. You can see the. Uh, I, I almost wonder if they, they think at times, wow, I came back for, for this. Um, oh, no doubt. And, of, uh, no doubt. It's funny you say that. I thought the same thing. That's almost like the expression that Hunter Dickinson ha- has on his face. Look, what was I think? You know what I mean? It's like, I yeah. mean, that's the way he looked, the optic. And I'm going to tell you when it looked more glaring than and that North Carolina game. That North Carolina game down in Chapel Hill told me, this dude's not invested in coming back. I'm just the expressions. And then how about the Central Florida game? Was he wanted? He took one shot in the last 12 minutes. Now, that's not totally on uh, on people getting him the ball. He's got to put himself in position to get the ball. And, you know, I thought he played better. But um, and and then the situation, you know, with, with, with Caleb Houston, that one's been a head scratcher from from the, from the first game. Um, and, and I don't know how Juwan is going to fix that. But let me tell you something. I still believe in Juwan Howard. I have a, I, I am totally into Juwan Howard. You, you might think that's funny for me to say that after all that. No, but I, I think I think he's going to fix it. I really, really – maybe not. Maybe they might not make the tournament. They probably won't make the tournament this year. But I think in the long run, he's the answer for this program. Yeah, and I would agree. I, I – I... Uh, you anticipated my thought in, in bringing that up because I'm, I'm still watching him, seeing him consistently teaching uh, every play, putting everything into it. Uh, you might not agree with the way things are working out or even some of the, the moves he's making in terms of uh, lineups and, uh, and substitutions and all that. But the fact of the matter is he is very invested. He is, he is teaching all the time and He's not throwing these guys under the bus in press conferences and all that. He is 
he is saying, look, we are uh, we're learning. We've got to learn to win. We've got to learn to close out games, and we're going to do that eventually. He's still upbeat. He's not he's not one of these coaches who is saying, man, what are they doing to me? Why, you know, it, it, like it's it's some uh, personal burden on him that the players are are uh, thrusting upon him. He is taking ownership and uh, saying we're going to get this fixed. It's going to be tough to fix in the next three games because you've got Michigan State and Purdue and Illinois. And, uh, you know, I I believe uh, a week or two ago you said if they could go one and two in that stretch, that might be a win. I I think that's going to be a, a tall order at this point. Well, it's going to be a tall order if they put forth the effort that they put forth in boxing out or lack thereof against Rutgers. I mean, this is, you know, I, you know, if they're going to get beat, that's fine. But what I think fans and obviously critiquing media don't, don't have any patience for are teams that lack effort. I thought if you watch that game in its entirety again, and I'm going to watch it, I, I taped it. I just, I just want to take a look at it again. Okay. There were countless times, uh, lack of effort boxing out. I thought that on the D where the ball just lands on the, on the floor and all of a sudden there's frozen feet around and then Rutgers ends up with a 50, 50 ball. Um, I, I, I don't have any, you know, patience for teams that, that, uh, don't put forth effort. I will be shocked if they don't put forth effort at two 30 on Saturday against Michigan state. My God, if you go in there and you, you have a lackluster performance like that in terms of lack of effort, you know, you're going to get run out of the gym. It's going to be like 2001 all over again, where all of a sudden you look up and it's 38 to nine. And I remember that game vividly. Um, where all does the- not, he doesn't pass on opportunities to bury Michigan. And uh, he oh, probably he won't, no. This as an opportunity. No, so. and, and, and that means that that means that, 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 that defense has to get back because Michigan State will push the basketball off the made basket. When Michigan happens to make a basket, they're going to be pushing, 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 and they're going to have to get back on D. And that's where this thing could get out of hand real quick. And so that's where someone's going to have to take that Isaiah Livers role of directing that defense in the transition D, or else it's going to get ugly real quick. Yeah. Tom Crawford, great job as always. Uh, we will be doing this throughout the winter. And, uh, you know, you you're, the hope would be among our listeners that – uh, this Michigan basketball team can be, begin to pull it together and uh, show some forward progress, but we'll be uh, following all the developments with basketball and football. Thanks again for being with us today. I'm keeping the faith, JP, and Happy New Year to all the listeners on the Wolverine Podcast. Look forward to the next opportunity.